You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. When patients and their family members understand the why, they're much more likely to follow through. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Have you ever had the experience of wanting to know about something but not knowing the words to use to ask about it or how to search for it online or anywhere else? I had a couple of those moments leading up to today's show. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. And for some time, I've been wanting to focus an episode on curiosity and healthcare, or more specifically, how we might use curiosity to serve ourselves better at our doctor appointments and medical engagements in general, by asking more and better questions when it comes to our own health and well-being. But I didn't know where to take that idea, nor did I really know how to frame the question, which seemed like an apt metaphor for the subject in the first place. Now, how often are we faced with health questions and concerns, but feel ill-equipped to ask the right questions, understand the answers we get, or even know whom to ask in the first place. For this week's conversation, I might owe fellow producer Cheryl Beversdorf, host of Aging Matters, a finder's fee. Because when I met Dr. Nicole Rochester, who was joining Cheryl to talk about healthcare advocates, I knew I had found my answer, even before I had formulated my questions. And I know from my own experience, when health concerns get complicated, which is to say, anytime we're talking about healthcare, it's incredibly helpful to have more than one person asking questions, hearing answers, and wondering about alternatives, a thought partner, if you will. That might be a family member, a friend, a trusted community member, and as I have learned, it might also be a professional health advocate. Dr. Nicole Rochester is a physician expert on healthcare navigation, a patient and family caregiver advocate, speaker, author, blogger, and the CEO of Your GPS Doc LLC. She's a board certified physician and clinical assistant professor with over two decades of experience teaching and practicing medicine. She's just the person for this conversation. So welcome, Dr. Rochester. Thank you so much, Lynn. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really a delight to have you back at Arlington Independent Media. So you have such a wonderful origin story in terms of how you found your way to this work. Share that story if you would. Sure. So I am a board-certified pediatrician by training And if you had told me even four or five years ago that I'd be doing this, I would have laughed at you (laughs) because I have always wanted to be not just a doctor, but a pediatrician since I was, you know, seven or eight years old. And um, I loved being a pediatrician. I always knew that I wanted to take care of children. You know, I was doing that. I was teaching medical students and pediatric residents and really living what I thought was my best life. And in 2010, my dad, who had already suffered from a lot of chronic illnesses, Mm -hmm. his uh, his health really started to decline. And my sisters and I had to kind of emergently activate to become his caregivers. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, as the physician in the family, I had been, you know, peripherally involved 
in his care. And I would ask questions about his doctor's appointments and I would nag him about some of his unhealthy <laughs> practices. Everybody needs to nag. Like every good daughter does. <laughs> um, but, you know, that was really the extent. But it got to a point where we really had to be intimately involved as his health deteriorated. And uh, we were caring for him for about three years before he passed away. And that experience was completely transformative for me and for my sisters. And I think the thing that really just flustered me so much is how difficult it was to navigate healthcare. And I'm thinking, my gosh, I'm a doctor. I work in hospitals. Like I've been doing this, you know, more than half of my life. And yet it was so very difficult sometimes to just communicate Mm -hmm. with the medical team to get them to listen to me, to get them to listen to my dad and to get the care that he needed. And so early on in that caregiving journey, I began to notice that once I informed people that I was a physician, you know, the Mm -hmm. Red Sea would part. And suddenly my opinion, my voice was important and I could get things done for my dad. On top of that, just knowing the system, you know, knowing how to escalate matters, knowing the questions, knowing the questions to, to ask. ask. Exactly. Yeah. And so I realized that, you know, my dad was really kind of passing go more than the average patient, so to speak, and that we were able to knock down barriers that I really didn't think should even exist. Yeah. And so while that was great for my dad and that was great for our family, I couldn't help but really think, you know, about all the millions of other family caregivers who aren't doctors or nurses or healthcare professionals. And I started to really be curious about what kind of care are they getting? You know, if they don't even, this question I asked, the average person wouldn't even know how to ask that question. Or the average person can't say that they're an MD and then suddenly the doctors on the team come into the room and talk to them. So then it really started to bother me. And, and I really started to become, you know, honestly, some, somewhat angry and scared for everyone else. And so, I, you know, after my dad passed away, I, I had all these thoughts in my mind, but I really didn't know what to do with them. But I, I knew that somehow I wanted to help other caregivers, other patients. But, you know, I went back to my life and went back to taking care of kids. But I just had this nagging feeling And it just wouldn't let me go. And so ultimately in 2017, I took this huge leap of faith and left my longtime medical career and started my company, Your GPS Doc. And really my mission is to help primarily family caregivers um, navigate the healthcare system for their loved ones. So there's so many different ways that healthcare is, particularly for family members navigating for a loved one, where... You don't even know where to start, right? You don't even know what to be curious about, mm-hmm. nor do you know the language. I mean, how do you help people formulate their questions and formulate maybe the next question? Because it's it's often the second or third or fifth question that really reveals the answers that you need, right? Yes, that that's very true. I, I tend to use a framework when I'm working with clients, and, and part of it really entails empowering them mm. because what I've noticed is that many people are just intimidated by the whole system, by the providers. And I think unfortunately we doctors and other healthcare providers have contributed to that. And so many people are afraid to ask questions. And so a lot of what I do is really instilling a mindset in my clients that you are an equal partner 
in this medical team. And, you know, we need we need the family caregivers to be involved, particularly when the patients are unable to effectively, you know, tell their story. And so a lot of it is really empowering them that they really are an important part of the team. Mm -hmm. And then we move on to kind of, you know, the questions that need to be asked. And like you said, often it is that second or that third question. But but really just, you know, the first part is really gathering information Mm -hmm. and, and really making sure that they fully understand their family members' illness, their medications, you know, just basic things that really are important when it comes to decision-making. And you're not acting in the role of physician, right? You are not making medical correct. recommendations, but you're helping them figure out whether they've assembled the information that they need to make their own decisions. Is that That's it? That's exactly right. That's yeah. a very good ex- explanation. Yes. And not all health advocates are physicians. You know, I do think that affords me an advantage, yeah, but I, so. I have to be very clear with my clients that I am not practicing medicine. So I really see my role as a liaison between the patient and the family members and the healthcare team, and also as an interpreter. Mm -hmm. And so my role is really to make sure that they're gathering the information that they need. And a lot of times I may be the one gathering that information, but then I can relay that back to them in terms that are simple and easy to understand. And then I'm really a source of support and guidance for them as they're making decisions. But I can't make formal medical recommendations. My job is really to make sure that they understand the information that's being presented, and then they can make an informed decision. Right, right. You know, as I was thinking about this conversation, I realized that sort of curiosity goes in a couple of directions here, right? Because often we sort of are intimidated out of our questions, as you have said. But also, I think sometimes we don't want to be curious, like we don't want the information. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about, I mean, as both as a physician, but also as a health advocate, how do you navigate that? Because that seems like really important, too. Yes, that is a very good point. A lot of people don't want to know. And I, I do think this is changing. I definitely see a shift in that mentality um, about, you know, not wanting to know. But there, there's always a sense of fear when it comes to our health, particularly when we are ill. And, and many people... They, they don't want to know the, right. the, the bad information, or maybe they just want to know the surface level. But in reality, you really can't be an effective advocate for yourself or for a family member if you don't have all of the information. And, and what I have found, both as a physician and as a health advocate, is that even those individuals who start out thinking that they don't want to know and being afraid... Once they have that information and it's put to them, you know, it's in a framework that they can understand, then they actually, you know, that fear starts to dissipate mm. because knowledge really is power. And and so while it may not be the best news, still having that information allows you to make decisions about your life. And, and that is empowering. And, and it takes away that sense of fear that they had in the beginning. I'm imagining you as a little bit of a coach, right? To help yes. me either as the individual or as the family member. Here's the kind of stuff you can do, right? So so at some level, you're probably uh, fishing for your families, but at other points, you're probably teaching them to fish as well. Very true. Yeah. And that is such a huge part of my philosophy. You know, I in an ideal world, you wouldn't need me. You know, it kind right. of pains me that we even need health advocates and that we need people to help 
people navigate healthcare. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is complicated, unfortunately. But my role is really to teach my clients how to do this for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a huge part of, you know, what I do on my blog and on my Facebook live show is really giving individuals that knowledge and information and what I call inside tips Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that after we're done working together, they can then move forward, you know, feeling confident in their encounters. Or on Choose to be Curious, right? Like what are some of the kind of curiosity-driven tips that you might recommend? Really everything that I talk about has to do with questions. And so, you know, I didn't realize it, honestly, but that that is curiosity. But it's so important that individuals ask questions when it comes to their health care. And so one of the things I like to talk about is with regard to treatment. And I find that when I talk to whether I'm speaking or whether I'm working with a client or whether it's on social media. And, for example, we talk about the questions that you should ask. And I didn't come up with these questions. So let me just say that. But we talk, I talk about, you know, you should ask what are the treatments for my particular condition? Most people, okay, they're okay with that. But then you should always ask, what are the alternatives? A lot of people don't realize that while the doctor typically will just give you maybe one, maybe two options, there are almost always four or five or even more options to treat, you know, certain medical conditions. And, and based on your doctor's background and where they trained and what they're comfortable with, you may not even hear about some of the alternatives. And and that's unfortunate. And so you have to ask that question. And then, you know, I go on to say, okay, once you know about the alternatives, then you want to ask, what are the chances that this treatment that you're recommending is going to help me? And then what are the chances that it's going to harm me? And again, this gets to things that some people, they don't want to know about, but you need to know if there's a 10% chance that this medication is going to help you and a 50% 50% chance that it can make you worse, that's going to impact your decision making. But I will admit that sometimes as doctors and other healthcare professionals, we only present the positive side. Uh-huh. This context, sort of what's really applicable to me, yes. was, was something I really felt like you brought forward that was useful. Because I think, you know, people read things on the internet or their friend does something, and and it may be the right choice for a majority of people. And it may be the right choice for your best friend, and it may be the wrong choice for you. And so the importance of asking that question and shining the light on all sides of the alternatives Mm -hmm. seems particularly helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And the last part of that is, what if I do nothing? And most of us don't consider that possibility, but there are some situations where the best thing for you may be to do nothing. Yeah, interesting. Well, I do think, you know, our inclination is to do something. Of course. Right? And sometimes the something we should do is nothing. That's right. But to consider that as an active strategy as opposed to an active omission kind of runs contrary to the practice, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. it really does. Oh, interesting. So as a health advocate, what kinds of questions do you want people asking? I think people need to consistently engage in dialogue Mm. with their physician. I think that every single time you go to the doctor, whether it's a routine checkup, whether it's for a minor illness or whether it's for something serious, you need to ask, you know, very clearly, what's wrong with me? You know, Mm -hmm. what is my diagnosis? And make sure that you understand it. Make sure that it is explained in terms that are 
easy for you to understand in lay terms. I think a lot of people aren't comfortable letting the doctor know that they don't understand what they're saying. And so we Mm -hmm. see a lot of head nodding in the office. And I know with my family members, you know, they would come home immediately after a visit and pick up the phone and call me and say, okay, I didn't understand anything that happened. And I'm going, why didn't you tell the doctor that? Like, I'm just a a pediatrician. (laughs) I don't take care of people your age. (laughs) That's what I used to say. But um, so, yeah, I think it's just really engaging in dialogue. And I know there are time constraints and so many things, but just simply asking, you know, what is my diagnosis? Asking, you know, what are you recommending? You know, are there things that I should be doing? Are there things that I shouldn't be doing? And another question that we don't ask enough is why. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. as a physician, you know, I am accustomed. We, we talk to you. We find out what's going on. We diagnose you. And then we give you a prescription or something and we send you out the door. But we often don't explain to you why it's important for you to take this particular medication or why it's important for you to abstain from certain types of foods or why we, you know, and, and what I have found, particularly as a health advocate, is that when patients and their family members understand the why, they're much more likely to follow through with that recommendation. And I noticed that even with my dad, there were certain things that he had uh, kidney disease and, and eventually he ended up on dialysis. And so there were certain foods that he was told to avoid. And whether or not he was told why or not, I don't know. But I can say that when I talk with him, he really didn't understand why. And when I explained to him, you know, no, this particular food has this particular, you know, chemical. And if that builds up in your blood, your heart can stop. And then he's like, whoa, (laughs) that's why I'm not supposed to be eating spaghetti sauce. (laughs) That got his attention. Yeah. Yeah. So just really making sure that you um, understand why you're being told to do certain things and that you understand the consequences of not engaging in that behavior because we all have free will and, you know, doctors can't force you, uh, nor should they try to do certain things. But it's really important that you at least understand your decisions, you know. So if you decide as a patient that you're not going to take that medication that was prescribed or you're not going to have that surgery, that is totally within your purview as long as you understand what you're signing up for. And I think a lot of people don't really understand what they're signing up for and and what may happen with those choices. Right. So there's almost kind of a curiosity practice there, right, where people kind of go in with a list of questions. There was a curiosity practice to begin with, right? Write down the questions first. But then to ask, to each answer that you get, sort of ask, do I really understand this answer Mm -hmm. that I just got? And also the why question. So there's kind of a nice, there's actually a practice that people could build, right? Yes. To do that. Because I don't remember if it was in your materials or somewhere else where I was reading this stunning statistic that typically people remember only about 15% of what they're told when they go and see the doctor. That's exactly (gasps) right. Isn't that horrible? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I thought, you know, I'm a pretty deal. Like I take notes constantly in my yes. medical appointments, but I, but I'm conscious when I get home. Even still, I'm looking at going. I don't actually know what this means. <laughs> I was writing it down, but I'm not sure I really understand what it means. That's a that's like a heart stopping statistic in my mind. So, what's a good health advocate to do? Yeah, that that and that is very scary. Part of the 
treatment for that is to write things down. And and even if when, and I always recommend all of my clients, friends, family members, anyone who will listen to me, <laughs> I always encourage people to take notes, whether it's writing in a notebook, whether you're using the notes feature in your telephone, your smartphone, your tablet, because, you know, it, those are stressful situations. And particularly if you are receiving bad news, once the doctor says that bad news we tune out. We're already thinking about, you know, how we're going to tell our family members or what does this mean? And am I going to be able to keep working? Am I going to be able to go to that wedding next year? And and we've already tuned the, the, the doctors out. And so you really need to take notes. And in your situation, you know, which is very common, you get home and you're going, I don't really know what this means, but at least you have it in words on your paper. And so then, you know, I'm not a huge fan of using Google but if you've taken notes, then you can go to the Internet and research some of that information. Or you could call back to the doctor's office or if they're really savvy and they have a patient portal and email, you could email your doctor and say, hey, Dr. Johnson, I wrote this down in my notes yesterday, but I'm realizing I don't really understand what this means. You know, could you help me understand that? But if you hadn't written it down at all, that's just going to be a void. Yeah. That's a good practice. So what other kinds of tips do you have for people? Really just taking charge, you know, getting information. And so, you know, I I, I use this, what I call the GPS system, you know, it's your <laughs> GPS doc. So the G is for gathering information. That's the stage where you're making sure that you are familiar with you or your loved ones, you know, health conditions, the medications, all the surgeries, your past medical history, you know, the treatments, things like that. And then the P is positioning yourself as an expert. And that's the stage where you are actively being curious about your medical conditions. And so you are asking the doctor, do you have any additional information on this particular medical condition? Do you, are there any websites that you would recommend? And you are now reading on your own time and becoming more familiar with your condition. And then the S is to stand up for yourself. And that's that advocacy piece. And it's incredibly important that each of us learn how to advocate for ourselves in, in healthcare uh, encounters and that we engage in, you know, questions and, and even questioning the doctors. You know, sometimes we're not always right. Yes, we went to medical school and residency and all that stuff, but we're not God and we don't have all of the answers. And like you alluded to earlier, we really should be making decisions that are specific to your situation and your wishes. And so that advocacy part is very, very important. And and sometimes that involves correcting mistakes. Well, it also sounds like we ought to be encouraging them to be curious. Like, ask me oh, about yeah. That's so true. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you always hear these stories. There's some random comment that somebody makes that is the key for yes. – the medical diagnosis or a choice about a treatment or something. And if the doctor isn't asking for context, mm -hmm. if a doctor isn't asking for values and priorities, they're not necessarily providing all the information a patient needs, are they? That's very true. And, and on that same note, you just triggered a memory for me. Um, I've had so many parents, you know, as a pediatrician say, I don't know if this is relevant to this illness, but and that is so key. And I, I always, you know, I really sit in, on the edge of my seat when they say that, because in many cases, that was the key mm. to some rare diagnosis. And, and, and so we need to do that as patients and as family caregivers. Everything that you know, whether you, you know, whether it's whether you know it's related or not, 
it's really important that you express that and that you share that information. Because like you said, you know, we have a systematic way of asking questions. And the problem is in medicine, once the doctor thinks that they know what's wrong, every question that they ask from that point forward is related to it's that. driving in that direction. Exactly. <sighs> and so you may be the one to help take them off of that path and bring them over to something that they're not even considering. Mm. Mm, wow. So that actually is a great segue to my big jar of wannabe analogies because we don't think things are related mm. and then they turn out to be related. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, huh? Okay, are you ready for this? I am ready. Okay. Reach in, take a slip. I'm going to take one for myself and one for the audience. And we're going to make an analogy <laughs> to whatever is on our slip of paper. All right. What do you have? You want me to go first oh or you want gosh. you to go? Oh, I guess I'll go first. Okay. I have socks. Socks. <laughs> How is curiosity like socks? How is curiosity like socks? Um, well... I, when I think about socks, I think about how they somehow mysteriously get lost in the dryer. <laughs> Inevitably. <laughs> and how, you know, despite the fact that you knew you put both of them in there, you know, you end up with just one. And and so I don't know what everyone else does, but I usually do, you know, somewhat of a hunt <laughs> in the house looking for the socks, trying to figure out what happened. I'm looking in the dryer, pulling out the thing, you know, with the lint container. So I guess curiosity is like socks in the sense that, you know, we, we, we can sometimes, like socks, we can sometimes get, you know, lost in our own fears, in our own thoughts, in our own kind of misconceptions related to healthcare. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we, we just have to always come back to getting the answer. So even though you may never find that sock... <laughs> You know, when it when it comes to your healthcare, you have to always be looking. You know, you may not get the answer that you want at first. Um, you may have an answer that's different than what you were expecting, but it's it's just important to keep looking, keep asking, keep searching for those socks. For those socks. <laughs> I love it. I'm, you know, I have a new metaphor walking into my doctor's office going forward. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm looking for the socks. I'm looking for the socks. <laughs> All right. So I have a first date. How is Ooh. curiosity like a first date? I mean, I think a first date is all about curiosity, right? You know, it's like, what do I see here? What do I like? Do, would this work? I don't know. So in that spirit, I think curiosity is about kind of test driving, sort of trying things out and imagining how something might be longer term or mm -hmm. what the implications might be or where the joy is in it or not. And audience, yours is hopscotch. How is curiosity oh, like wow. hopscotch? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Dr. Rochester, thank you so much for this. And if people want to learn more, where can they find you? They can go to my website, which is yourgpsdoc.com. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at yourgpsdoc. Great, great. Well, thank you. So thank you oh, for man. having me. This was a lot of fun. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great shows here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can hear all my previous shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, or on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. Hope you follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number 2, Letter B, 
curious. Don't forget to send us your hopscotch analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Dr. Nicole Rochester. Links to your GPS doc on my website. Our theme music is by Sean Ballack and Mind, Body, Mind by Body Tonic at Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious is provided in part by Concentric Private Wealth, where changemakers develop clarity for today and confidence for tomorrow by centering on what matters most, which involves more than just money. More information at www.concentricpw.com. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.